Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This podcast is a part of the Podmania Podcasting Network. Check out podmania.co.uk to check out more of our great podcasts, features, reviews, match ratings and previews spanning the crazy and diverse world of professional wrestling. Stardom Cast, your weekly audio source of all things World Wonder Ring Stardom right here on the Podmania Podcasting Network. I'm your host, Rob Goodwin. I am joined as ever by Matt Turner. Matt, how are you today? Rob, I'm excellent. Always excellent to talk to you. And one of the reasons why I'm excellent is you realize that in this day and age, you can literally pick up your smartphone Go on YouTube and type in Masawa versus Kawada, and you can watch every single one of their matches. So, I mean, how bad can life be right now? What a time to be alive! What a time to be alive! I mean, I was, um, I was, I can't remember if I was doing it for a podcast or uh, if I was doing it for some sort of written review. And uh, I was like, oh, I need to, uh, I need to sort of brush up on uh, the New Japan versus the UWF. Um, sort of feud and someone sent me a link and it was every video that pertained to that feud i was like this is insane like tape traders in the 90s would have literally killed to have the amount of stuff at the fingertips that we have and big shout out to king's arc on youtube because they are constantly uploading nowhere and all japan from like the 80s and 90s it's it's tremendous it really is i was a, I was a big tape trader in the uh the mid to late 90s and, you know, that's, you know, for, you know, I, I you talk about all the time, my favorite era of wrestling is that all Japan Kings Road stuff. And I, you just, you would read on message boards about like this banger of a match that like Kawada Misawa would have or, or Holy Demon Army. And you would wait six or seven weeks to get like, to, 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 you know, on a, you know <laughs> to get the stuff from Japan or you're literally getting a copy of a copy of a copy where like the tracking, you literally have to stand there and mess with the tracking the whole entire 40 minute match. Now it's like you hear like this Noah 
had this banger of a match with like Kino and Nakajima and literally within like two or three hours, it's up on YouTube. Like it's just crazy. It's ridiculous. It. Re- I mean, with the streaming service and everything, there is there has never been a better time to get into wrestling or indeed Japanese wrestling where, you know, especially what, five, six, seven years ago, it was so notoriously difficult to get into certain products. But, you know, Stardom's one of them. I mean, Stardom, it's so easy to get into Stardom nowadays, especially with Stardom World, even if their uh, their upload schedule is a bit dicey at times. But there we are. I mean, what a time to be alive, Matt. What a time. And Yeah, absolutely. We've been getting a lot of people over, you know, the past two or three weeks that have been asking us on on social media, we thank them. It's like, you know, I'm just getting to start. I'm just in your podcast. Like, where do I start? And I tell them, I said, you know, if you don't want to invest any money right now, I mean, most of the people that I talk to, they're American. So I told them, look, it's only $8.25, but you're still, you know, per month, but you're still not sure. Just go on YouTube because they're where our stardom. Um, it's probably about three or four weeks behind, but it's it's all clipped. And they all tell you, like, the name of the moves. Like, if Mayutani hits the big uh, two-stage dragon suplex, they'll show a replay of it, and they'll show it'll show you know, two stage dragon suplex. So I always say that's, you know, it's free, you know, so, you know, if you have a smartphone and decent Wi-Fi or whatever, you know, that's, that's always an easy way to go into it. And I always say, you know, if the the first one's free, so if you do enjoy it, I do obviously you as well, highest recommendations to, you know, get onto Stardom World. Yeah, absolutely. And just while we're talking about this, obviously we released on Wednesday, our second Patreon exclusive episode, which was the match review between Arissa and Tam from Shining Destiny 2019. Now I know that I've had loads of positive feedback from, from our patrons, Matt. I don't know where, if you have, um, if you've had any, any feedback regarding that episode. Yeah. Yeah, I have. Um, see, everybody seems to like the, the, you know, the flow that we have going and, we appreciate uh, all the positive feedback and if there's something that we can improve on, you know, by all means too, you know, we're all about taking, uh, you know, some good criticism, constructive criticism. And it's always something that me and Rob, we text all the time uh, back and forth about how we can just uh, keep improving, but we really appreciate the support. It seems like every time that I check the podcast, um, you know, or I, I check my, my Instagram or my Twitter, there's always uh, some positive feedback or some really good questions from the, from the fans. And, uh, you know, we really, really appreciate it. Yeah, we can't thank you enough. And just just on the uh, just on the sort of theme of our Patreon, I just want to shout out our great patrons: um, Joseph Usher, um, Rob Jones, Niagara Driver, John Irwin, Velkich Braca, Tom, Ed B C, Brandon Neal, Steve Clark, Emerson Stone, Alex Tremaine, Adam Pritchard, IWEP Network, and Mike. Thank you so much for all of your support on our patreon of course if you want to go and subscribe to our patreon there's three tiers high speed tier is one dollar a month you know that would help us out tremendously the white belt tier is three dollars a month and the red belt tier is um is five dollars a month our february patreon episode sort of poll uh, so you have voted that's now closed and the two episodes that we're going to be doing in February, the first dropping on the 2nd of February, is going to be the top 10 hidden gems from stardom in 2021, which I am super, super excited about. And I know you are as well, Matt. We've been texting each other going, I think we should have this match. What about this one? What about this one? Um, and, you know, it is tempted to put almost all of the five-star on there, but we've been very... Uh, We've been very restrained for that. And then, obviously, our second one, which will drop two weeks from then, is the Stardom Ryogoku Cinderella Champions Fiesta 2013, which, of course, is the previous time that Stardom ran at Sumo Hall. So those are going to be our next two Patreon episodes. The March bonus polls will go up on the 1st of February. So get yourself down to Patreon forward slash the Stardom cast to go and vote 
on that. Um, just before we jump in to the New Year's Stars Tour, which has continued, obviously, we've got just a little bit of news. So obviously, at the end of this month, we have got the 11th anniversary show, the Nagoya Supreme Fight Show. Just a little bit of an update in regard to ticket sales. Um, we are starting put out that the VIP seats are all sold out. Uh, the Arena S, so start presume that's um, further back, are all sold out. The front of the stand are all sold out. There's only a few stand B seats. Uh, all the female limited seats are sold out, and the under-25 seats are sold out as well. Now, you know, when you think that top of the card is Siori versus Mirai, who's had one singles match and I think four matches or five matches after this run, um, that's that shows how well stardom are doing at the moment and how well that name is you know sort of built up at the moment Matt, doesn't it yeah absolutely um i think really it's almost on like a smaller version of you know wrestlemania will always sell out 80 percent of the tickets before they even uh announce the card because just based on the name i think that they realize that they trust in stardom that they're going to have a, a good show they're going to be booking a bigger venue and it is their anniversary show and just me going through the back catalog of stardom the last Two weeks. I mean, look at some of the main events you've had at these anniversary shows. You know, I think I was texting you back and forth. There was this banger of a match that I've seen before, but I just uh, revisited it with it was Mayu uh, defending the World of Stardom title versus Momo. So it's just like, man, what would that match look like? You know, four or five months, especially with the you know the big heel turn from from Momo. So I think they, I think the fans realize that they're always going to get you know at least two or three, four four and a half star matches, um, plus just the momentum that stardom has built over the last you know two years especially this last year and i think a lot of that has to do with just you know the, the, the consistent fantastic work the great storylines um you know going into it so um obviously we'll talk about it and we'll preview it but i'm looking at the card and it's just it's a super it's a super stacked card there's not one match that i'm like well that's the bathroom break or that's where i take my nap or that's where i go make myself a sandwich or something uh <laughs> everything really looks you know solid and um that's what stardom brings you know they they bring pretty much all filler no uh, excuse me all killer no filler in the words of some 41 absolutely um so they've also released the tour schedule for february um so we've got february 1st at corican uh february 6th in sendai um, February 12th in Osaka, February 13th in Kyoto, February 20th in Chiba, February 21st at Corican. February 23rd is the big show for February, Cinderella Journey 2022 in Nagaoka. Um, we've then got um, February 26th in Hyogo and February 27th in Mai. So we've got quite a few dates, including two Corican's and a big show in February. So stardom, absolutely no intention of slowing down, it seems. Um, I just want to go through, Matt. There's been, and again, I can't put over at 1222 Dragon Moon enough on Twitter. Their translations are absolutely fantastic. And they've done a couple of translations um, regarding some interviews that have taken place with Tokyo Sports. And I just want to go through a couple of these thoughts, Matt. So the first one was an interview with Julia. And this is what is said, translated by Dragon Moon. I feel attached to the white belt, so I want to hold it again. But now that Suri won the red belt, Mirai will challenge for it, and Himika is also interested in it. I, as a fellow DDM member, can't afford to watch this development in silence. Rossi told me the white belt 
um, was to be defended within stardom, while the red belt was to be defended also against wrestlers from other promotions. There are many good wrestlers out there I want to fight with a title on the line, and I need the red belt to make that happen. Now, this whole idea of people being uh, people who are, you know, in contention for the red belt or indeed people who are holding the red belt. This has been a theme over the last couple of days that we want to wrestle other people as well. We don't just want to wrestle for the red belt, you know, the world of stardom championship. We do want to wrestle all over the world. And actually, Suri said um, in regard to her match with uh, Utami, she said, Kairi San came to a show and told me my match with Utami at the 12th, on the 12th of June at Ota Ward received very high praise overseas. I was very happy to hear that, but I'm not satisfied. I want the whole world to know more about us and see me create my own world in the ring. And then she followed that up by saying, I think the red belt will help me promote myself as a wrestler worldwide. I believe my old rivals and partners like Asuka in WWE and Hikaru Shida in AEW will find it interesting to compete for the red belt against me. I want to make those matches happen someday. So as we come out of the COVID-19 sort of lockdown, we sort of find a way getting towards hopefully the thinning of the mist, as it were, stardom seemed to be eyeing up that, you know, I hate to use the phrase, that forbidden door, we could be legitimately seeing a Sturi or, you know, depending on who comes out of World Climax as the champion, maybe a Julia in AEW or in um, not necessarily a WWE, but maybe an Impact or something like that. Is that something that excites you, Matt? Are there any matches in particular that immediately jump out at you and you think, Jesus Christ, I would love to see that match? 100%. I mean, there's a lot. Um, I mean, Siri kind of tipped her hat there. And even Julia in that interview kind of put over the white belt, saying that she would love to compete, you know, for the white belt again. And we've seen it in main event shows before. Uh, you know, we talked about it on the Patreon episode that you just talked about how, um, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, we talked about how when uh, Arissa won, the white belt was actually the main event over the red belt. And in the uh, Budokan Hall show, Julia main evented with the defending against Tam and the hair versus hair match over Utami and I believe it was Saya. So just the interview right there basically keeps putting over the white belt that it's just a half a shade below the red belt, which is great. You're just building up stock and you're, you know, for lack of a better term, of a secondary belt. But uh, to answer your question, yeah, obviously, uh, there's a lot of dream matches uh, you want to see, if, you know, either for the red belt or contention for the red belt. And you do have that quote unquote forbidden door open. Uh, you know, we're living in a COVID era, so it is kind of difficult. However, Tony Khan from AEW is a multi-multi-billionaire, uh, so he's got that private plane where he can probably fly, you know, two or three people over from Japan and back and forth to try to get, you know, some more recognition on the uh, on the product and on on the women's division. You know, I've talked about it. I think not only here, but some some several interviews that, that I've done before, where I would love to see Mai Ritani, you know, do a three free, three four week to- U.S. tour, you know, where, where she's on Dynamite and some other shows as well. Like I think a Mayu versus Britt Baker match would, would help both the products. Uh, Britt Baker, you can talk about whatever you want to in the ring. I think she's improved so much over the last two years. But as far as the character goes, she's one of the most over females in all of pro wrestling. So I think that would, you know, that's a dream match that I would like to see. Obviously, uh, she just back in Japan. I mean, and we'll talk about it when we talk about, you know, Daya trying to figure out who this mystery person is on the, on the 29th. Well, she knows because she's seen. 
And I think that's a possibility. It could be, you know, Hikaru Shida. Uh, obviously, Riho is doing fantastic work over in AEW, the first women's champion. I would love to see her, you know, in a Momo or a Julia. I mean, the possibilities are endless. I mean, even look at Impact. Yana Perrazzo is doing phenomenal work over there. I would love her to see come over and, you know, again, COVID pending. I would love to see her in the five-star and just work with everybody. Or maybe they bring two or three people in uh, from AEW or Impact or, you know, from, you know, Ring of Honor. Maybe Roxy, who was their uh, their last champion before they kind of ceased operations for a little bit. You know, maybe they bring her over for a tour or for the five-star. So, you know, we'll see what happens. Again, we're all at mercy of, of, of COVID. So uh, it's exciting time. Exciting time to be a wrestling fan. Exciting time to be a stardom fan. Absolutely. And just to tie off your point, Mean has come out and said, again, in Tokyo Sport, my goal, for tw- my goal for 2022 is to make my own path like nobody else does here. I've always wanted to wrestle foreign wrestlers. I want to win the SWA belt so I can go on an excursion with it and I can face more different types of wrestlers than I can find in Japan. Um, obviously, you know, that sort of adds a wrinkle to my thoughts because I thought this was nailed on to be a tackle victory when we got to Nagoya Supreme Vine. Obviously we'll talk about predictions at the end of the podcast, but if Mina is allowed to go to, you know, a tour of America, a tour of Europe and face, you know, people from WXW or, you know, people from Britain do Rev Pro or ICW or even do Progress, for example. Um, and that's without going to America and doing, you know, your impacts, your MLWs. Um I know that is it Providence have just um, put together a relationship with T, uh, TJPW. So, you know, even smaller companies like that. We saw Io Shirai um, having that red belt fight on the Stardomcast Extra with um, Casey Owens. So to put something like that together would be fantastic as well and would definitely raise the profile of, of, um, of Stardom. The only concern I have is obviously what we saw with Riho, especially in our last the last throes of her relationship with the company. We saw Riho very much going through the motions because AEW didn't want her to take a pinfall. Did you know, understandably she was contracted to AEW. This is nothing against AEW. It's good business. Um and obviously you don't want her to look weak. You also don't want her to get injured. So she was very limited in what she could do. And she was in the tag league, I believe, with Go King Death. So basically we had, you know, 75% of death in the match, which, you know, is instantly far too much death. Um, And then Riho would come in, do three moves, and then would sort of tag out again. And I think their team got two points, and Riho didn't get pinned the entire tour. So that's my only concern. If we're going to have relationships and build our company up internationally, which would be fantastic, obviously, there needs to be something where, you know, we don't just do timeout draws and, you know, trying to keep everyone strong. Because as Chris Jericho said, if you try and push everyone, nobody gets pushed. Yeah, just to kind of tie up two points you just said there, uh, talking about Riho, obviously, you know, they protected her when she was in stardom because, and then she was obviously their first champion. So it makes sense, you know, when you look at it from a business point. Absolutely. From Tony Khan, it's like, and then two, you talked about how Death took all those pinfalls during uh, the tag league. Do you think that's the reason why she constantly wins these multi-person matches now? It's like, you know, <laughs> as if, just to even it out. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, since you had to take all those falls, you had to take nine or 10 of them. We're going to give you every single win where there's more than three people in a match. <laughs> if there's a match on the pre-show or opening up and it is more than what it's more than a singles match. So a three way, four way, a five way, you can bet your bottom dollar that go kicking death is winning that or fooking and death. And that, as she's now known. And, 
And now we know why. I just tied it together. Now now the fans know why. <laughs> and now the fans know why. Because of that one tag league tour, that's why we have to endure so many Fukuk and Death victories. <laughs> that's gonna be our inside that's gonna that's gonna be our inside joke now. Anytime we review a match where she gets a win and we're like, oh, you know, she as soon as the match is over, she she texts and said, Thanks, Rio. <laughs> <laughs> well, she is in the pre match battle royal at uh, Nagoya Supreme Fight, so do not be surprised if she walks away with the victory there, um, which is what I think. But we'll get on to that in a minute. (laughs) Right, so let's kick in to our show reviews. We're looking at the shows from the 15th and the 16th. Obviously, as we record on the 22nd, there is a show going on right now, and obviously there is a show tomorrow as well on the 23rd. Obviously, those shows haven't happened yet, and they're also not on Stardom World, so we can't do that. So we're going to be looking at night four and night five. So we're going to start with the New Year Stars Tour Night 4 on the 15th of January 2022 in Tajimi City Industrial Bunker Hall in Gifu. The attendance is 208 people. It's the first time Stardom have run this venue. Uh, Dragon Gate ran it in December as part of the Fantastic Gate Tour, and they drew 383 people, but that did have and open the Brave Gate Championship match on top between SB Kento and Monday Ryu. So a bigger show from Dragon Gate, hence why they drew more people. Um, but, I, you know, Dragon Gate is also, in my opinion, a little bit bigger than Stardom. Um, but we open the show with a singles match. Mina Shirakawa defeating Wakasukiyama with the figure for leg lock in eight minutes and nine seconds. I actually really enjoyed this match, Matt. Yeah, it was very, you're kind of looking at it, and Waka still is, you know, finding her, her finding her footing. There's a lot of things she does good. We talk about all the time when they, uh, when these multi-person matches are building and they're getting towards the end, that she has a lot of these really good inside cradles, how she gets into them, and the ref does a really good job of, you know, counting 2.9. But Waka's still finding her footing, and you kind of have Mina here kind of leading the match. Yeah, the match was pretty good. You said it went only about eight minutes, which I thought was the perfect time. They kept the psychology simple. They didn't try to do anything too crazy. Um, my only complaint is Mina was going over with the figure four and it seems like it was so damn sloppy getting into. So, uh, you know, obviously she'll figure it out if she's going to try it out on a show. This is one to do it with, uh, you know, especially with her, for her, her current stable mate as well. But yeah, this was, you know, nothing crazy, but I didn't think it was bad by any means. They, uh, they, everything was really solid. The psychology made sense and, uh, you know, they got in, they got out and, uh, no harm, no foul. No, absolutely. And I do just want to shout out Wacker for her selling on this because Mina does work the leg relentlessly. And again, you know, I'll say it till the cows come home that I am a big fan of when a limb is worked and works and works and then plays into the finish. And they did that pretty well here. Yeah, you're absolutely right. The Mina trying to get into the figure four, he did come across as quite sloppy, but I thought Wacker sold the pain really, really well. There was a moment where she got whipped into the corner and she, you know, she she barely got there with the leg pain. Um, but it was also interesting as well, over these two shows, we'd see two very, very different sides of Mina, two very, very different matches. The match that she has here with Wacker it's completely different to the tag match her and Tam have with Julia and Tekla the next night. And we'll be talking about that a little bit later because uh, I have some thoughts on Tekla, but we'll get to that in a moment. 
Um, we moved on then to a three-way match. Yutami Hayashishta defeating Mei Sakurai and Saki Kashima with the German suplex in 8 minutes and 32 seconds. In the, pre- in the pre-match promo to this, um, Yutami said her grandfather had come to watch her tonight for the very, very first time. And as soon as she said that, I would like. I was. I just thought it would be WWE levels of shit housery. Was she, was she to now eat the pinfall in front of her granddad? It would just be unreal. Thankfully, that was that's not the case. She ends up pinning May with the German suplex. But you know, aside from that, aside from Utami's granddad and her grandmother, who she also um, talks about, um, there's not a great deal to talk about here. Now, I was shocked how much uh, Saki and Mai got in the match. Uh, but obviously, you know, Yutami was the star going in. And she throws a great German suplex. I mean, she's got a lot of moves that she goes to. You know, she's got the BT bomb and the, the kryptonite crunch and the way she works, the rear naked choke. But, like, I'm sitting there watching the fin. Again, yeah, there wasn't much into it. Again, it wasn't bad by any means, obviously. Yutami's the star in the match, and we're here just, you know, just to get Yutami over. But it's watching her finish with a German suplex, and I'm thinking maybe that that's what maybe she should go to as a finish. I think that move might be the best one in her arsenal. Interesting. Um, I mean, I I love the hijab bomb. I, you know, I'm never going to not like the hijab bomb. Um the do she has got a beautiful German suplex. Um I mean maybe she can give it to May because Jesus Christ, May needs a new finishing move. That diving elbow is is possibly the worst one I've ever seen. Um but Yeah, not only that, but but when you hear diving elbow and stardom, who do you think about? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it is nothing like Gary Hojo's. Absolutely it is the most wooden elbow drop I think I've ever seen in my life. But I will say May looked a lot more solid in this. And the I don't know if you saw this, the mark that Utami had on her face from the amount of kicks she'd eaten to the face between Saki and May. Um, she looked in considerable discomfort. Um, but yeah, this is this is a match where it's literally an exhibition match. Nothing ventured, nothing game, but also nothing really advanced either, apart from to give Utami a victory. Match three then, tag team match. Cosmic Angels, Yunagi Sayaka and Tam Nakano defeated the Queen's Quest team of Saya Kamatani and Lady C with the Taiji de Atta in 13 minutes and 23 seconds. Look, we're obviously going to talk about the finish. Um, and unfortunately, that's probably what this match is going to be remembered for more than anything else. So before we talk about the finish... Matt, what did you think about this match? The match was really good. Obviously, I'm a huge fan of all four. I'm a huge fan of Tam and just how well she does. And I talk about this every week, and I will talk about it every week, about how well <laughs> she does not not only getting herself over, getting her opponents over, and getting her other stablemates over. Uh, last week, I talked about in the six-person tag match where she, uh, she was – her and Mina were basically uh, – they had a whole bunch of really awesome double-team spots with um, Micah and Himika. And I even wrote in my notes, boy, I would like to see Tam and Mina be like a constant tag team and make a tag title run here. And literally my first notes are Tam and uh, Yunagi keep getting better and better together. I like to see Tam and Yunagi make a run for the tag belt. So, uh, and you will talk about it when we get to, uh, to uh, the next day's show with the tag match. But the tag match is the tag division. You know, when you look at it on paper and take a step back, the tag division and potential for the tag division this year, it's absolutely stacked. It's uh, absolutely stacked. But uh 
you know, moving on, uh, Lady C just keeps getting better and better. I love the way she sets up her chops, and she's so tall, and her arms are so long that when she pulls back for the chops, it's like you just see this fastball coming from like a mile away, and there's nothing you can do but just eat it. Um, so yeah, I thought the I thought this match, you know, obviously the main point in the match that everybody's going to talk about, and we're about to talk about, it, is the finish. But leading up to it, I thought it was really, really solid, and I really, really enjoyed it. I don't ever like to say I'm wrong. In fact, I'm going to go out on a limb and say I'm never wrong. I'm just significantly less right sometimes. And I can see defeat on Yunagi because Tam and Yunagi might be one of the most entertaining pairings in stardom right now. The chemistry that they have together, you know. The dance, not uh, to cut you off, but the dance in the beginning. Exactly. It's amazing. And Yunagi does feel like a star. Um, again, I don't think she's walking away with the white belt in Nagoya, but this is going to be a huge year for Yunagi. And unlike, you know, the start of 2021, where she was, in my opinion, rightly given a lot of criticism because of her work and the amount of, you know, opportunity she was getting early on. I feel like the more opportunities she gets, she does deserve them now because she's grown so much. And the aggression of both her and Lady C in this match added so much to it. I actually thought that Yunagi had better chemistry with Lady C than she did with Saya, um, which, you know, props to both women, definitely. Um, the choke slam Lady C delivers to Yunagi. I don't know whether Yunagi just jumped a little higher, but it looked incredible. It looked brilliant. Um, unfortunately, that does lead to the finish where uh, Yunagi almost breaks Lady C's neck with the Taji Diata. Now, whose fault is this, Matt? Is Lady C just too tall to do this move to? Does she not tuck her neck? Does Yunagi not get enough leverage? You know, I was very forcibly rem- uh, reminded of Owen Hart and Stone Cold Steve Austin from SummerSlam 97. Obviously, thankfully... Lady C hasn't broken a neck, but, you know, it was that sort of thing. Whose fault is it? Is it anyone's fault, Matt? Everything you said right there was was, was pretty much uh, dead on there, Rob. Uh, as someone that's been in these positions before, it's, it's just a free accident. And I think a lot of it, if anybody, you can put the blame on anybody, which you're not. It's wrestling. This stuff, unfortunately, happens. You know you can go injured uh, in there all the time. I think if you're going to put any blame on anybody, and I'm not, is whoever decided this was a kind of a good idea just because Lady C is so tall and Yunagi is kind of, you know, Yunagi's kind of short. I think like just the, you know, the dynamic of the move just didn't make sense. And Lady C didn't tuck her head in all the way. But it was kind of just a freak accident. Um, I didn't, I know she was off, I think the next few shows, I think she's going to be cleared, cleared to wrestle. I don't know what the report was, if she had a concussion or a stinger, but you can kind of see right afterwards the ref squeezing her hand. And that's something that you do, you know, just get a little inside baseball. If you do a big move, like a, you know, if I take a top rope brain buster or a tombstone or a dive, you kind of, as you're, going for the cover or whatever, the ref's checking in on you, they'll do the squeeze of the hand, and you squeeze back to make sure they're okay. And I saw the, I don't know who the ref was, the ref did that to Lady C three or four times, but you can see it on Yunagi's face. She wasn't happy at all. She realized that there was a, a mess of a move there. But again, it's it's wrestling. It's really not anybody's, it just happens. It was just maybe a little combination of everything, and uh, hopefully she'll be okay. Yeah, you, you mentioned it there. There's a beat where everyone stops in the ring. Like, it's almost like everyone goes silent. The bell rings and Yunagi doesn't celebrate and looks like she's seen a ghost. Um, 
I assume there was supposed to be some confrontation between Saya and Yunagi, but that was put off a little bit whilst they made sure that Lady C was okay. Um, thankfully, she seemed to be okay, and we did manage to get to that confrontation between Saya and Yunagi, which was far better than anything else they produced in the match. The aggression and legitimate raw sort of emotion that they had in that sort of closing sequence where they had to literally be dragged off one another by the referee added far more to that match in Nagoya than I think anything else did in the match. Um, As a result, as you mentioned, Lady C was pulled from the next night card. She isn't present on the cards for the 22nd and the 23rd either. Hopefully, and I'm this is pure speculation, but presumably just as a precaution ahead of the Nagoya Supreme fight, uh, future of stardom title match with Hannon. She is still scheduled to appear at that pay-per-view. Um, fingers crossed that she is all right. Um, but that does lead to the next thing that I just wanted to briefly talk about. And obviously, it's not going to impact this car, but it definitely impacts night five. Um, the talent missing um, is quite astonishing. So you've obviously got the long-term injuries to Sayurida and Natsukatora, so obviously they're still out. But then on top of that, you have got Hanan, Rina, and Hina, who have all been off these cards, presumably due to school. You've then got Fukukin Death, who has been off the cards because obviously she is a freelancer, so she has been doing stuff with other companies. Uh, Natsupoi, who has been off all of these cards because I believe she is in some sort of drama production. Um, and then, of course, now you've got Lady C off these cards as well through injury. And, you know, none of those are sort of main event talent, you know, upper mid-card talent, even apart from maybe Natsupoi. But the amount of people missing does certainly eat into those cards. And we'll talk about how they managed to reschedule Night 5 in a moment, but it's a lot of talent to miss, Matt. Yeah, yeah, it is. And it's unfortunate. And it's all... You know, it's all injuries or other things that aren't really other than Lady C, which we we think she's okay. That's not anything major. And then you throw in uh, COVID. I mean, literally at any minute when these when these competitors come into the arena and get tested, which I'm assuming that's their, that's what they're doing. If anybody tests positive, you can be out a main event. You know, you look at uh, even yesterday, uh, we were supposed to get a reunion on AEW of uh, the best friends, but Rocky Romero, when he got to the venue, tested positive. For, I'm, not, I'm sorry, not best friends. Uh, Rapongi uh, Vice. Vice, yes, I apologize. Uh, we're supposed to get that reunion and Rocky tested positive. So it's like you, you just don't know when somebody's going to be out. But you kind of just have to make the best out of a bad situation. Um, if Starm does this, maybe you just give longer matches. And not only that, but then this is, you know, you got to turn a positive into a negative. There's nothing anybody can do if somebody's in school or if somebody tested positive for COVID or somebody's injured. But if you're one of these mid-card talents or underneath talents, Again, you turn a positive and negative, and you have to take advantage of the situation because you're going to be put in a bigger spot. So, I mean, that's basically the you know the best, most positive way I can look at it. And then you just you know hopefully everybody heals or they heal when they can and they come back safe because ultimately at the end it is wrestling and we like we just talked about before, Lady C accidents do happen and the bumps and bruises they take a toll, especially when you're wrestling. You know, all these cards and Stardom just keeps running and running more and more shows, which is great. You know, it's great for the fans. It's great for the talent to get more reps in. But it's also you have to think in the back of your head, you know, it's more opportunity for somebody to get hurt as well. Uh, so I think that's just, you know, th- that's just the nature of the beast when it comes to pro wrestling. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, you look at those. None of those are Stardom's fault <laughs> that they are missing. It's just, you know, unfortunately, one of those things. You're absolutely right with the constant of COVID at the moment. 
we are sort of at that mercy. I mean, I know that um, a Noah card was disrupted because of COVID. I know that um, New Japan, um, one of the six-man tags, uh, one of the people in the six-man tags uh, tested positive and therefore the entire of that match so all six competitors had to be pulled from the event the following event so it really can tear a hole in your booking so yeah starting did a tremendous job booking night five and we'll talk about that in a moment um match four on this card though was a six-woman tag team match with the donna del mondo team of julia tekla and marai uh versus the stars team of mayu iwatani kogama and hazuki ending in a time limit draw of 20 minutes um matt what did you think of this one it was really good i get i always have a smile on my face anytime i see the graphic come up of mayu uh kogama and hazuki they're probably my favorite three as far as like the constant of uh six women tag teams and they're they've been you know ever since really you know for the past four or five months you always see the three of them teaming up um and plus they do a you know a couple of spots where they do a little throwback to the freedom. So I always smile for that. I know you kind of alluded a few minutes ago, you wanted to talk about Tekla and I actually have a lot of notes on Tekla and I don't try like to be negative at all in my life or and with wrestling or in stardom, but I'm kind of just going to throw some shade here. And I mean, hopefully Tekla gets better when it comes to something. Cause we had the question asked to me last show, what do I think about Tekla and Mariah selling? And I was paying special close, att- close attention to Tekla like she comes out, she's got a connection with the crowd. There's no doubt about it. She has this energy that's completely different from anybody on the roster. You know, she sets herself apart with it. But like her selling or her lack of selling in certain parts just kind of takes me out of what she does. Like, for example, and she's done this before where she was getting hit. She started the match out with uh, Koguma. And Koguma's throwing these forearms in. And she's like not selling and then laughing and basically not giving Koguma anything. And I'm sitting there thinking, I don't know if that's by design. But I don't like it at all. And Kogum, it's not like she's somebody new. She's part of the tag champ. So I'm sitting there thinking, well, if she's in there with Mayu, who's an absolute legend, she better sell. Or if she's in there with, with Hazuki and she's not selling, Hazuki's just going to rip her apart. So Mayu gets tagged in. Mayu just beats the shit out of her. <laughs> part of my language. Part of my language. And I was sitting there thinking, okay. Like, yeah, if you don't sell for Mayu, not knowing again, maybe this is, you know, this is what, what <laughs> Stardom wants. They don't want her to sell. But Mayu gets in there and I'm like, you're not going to sell for Mayu. It's like they literally might throw your bags on the bus <laughs> and be like, you're done. You're out of here. Mayu just comes in. She's kicking her. She's chopping her. And then Hazuki gets in there. And then she, but it's just weird because like she'll take a move or take a bump and then she'll sit up and you can see her sell for like half a second. And then she starts smiling and laughing. And to me, it completely takes out of whatever anybody's done to her. Um, that, and I also kind of, you know, again, not to, you know, keep beating her down because I think she's got a ton of potential and I hope the way that Yunagi proved her, you wrong last year, she proves me wrong, but like her finish or not her finish, but where she does like that, the, the spider crawl into the spear, it looks cool, but the psychology of it doesn't make sense. And what I mean by that is she'll do the spider crawl. And then as she's getting up for the spear, the other person is sitting there, not sitting there, but standing there for like three or four seconds waiting to hit the spear and whenever i'm like teaching a class or a seminar or someone's asking me for advice it's the simplest thing like okay so say rob me and you are wrestling right i have you in a headlock i have you in a headlock and we know the spot is you're going to push me off the ropes and you're going to eat a shoulder tackle if you push me off the ropes and i'm coming running at you not unless you're like 50 pounds bigger than me if i come running at you you're going to move out of the way and the way I teach it to some students or anybody that's listening, I said, let's, let's just take, a, take it from a real-life situation. If you're walking in the road and you see a truck coming 
and the truck is 20 or 30 yards away, are you going to move? Or are you going to stand there and wait for the truck to hit you? You're going to move. Mm. So that's the same thing. When I teach the shoulder tag, you want to, you know, throw the person and you want to kind of either spin or you don't want to see the, the tackle coming or the, or the, the move coming until it's too late. And I just think when she's getting ready to do that spear, it's either on her or on her opponent where they maybe need to maybe sell a limb, maybe look at the crowd, like say if somebody ducks a clothes, like say I'm just going to use uh, Micah because she throws really good clotheslines. So she goes to throw, the, the spot is she's going to throw a big clothesline, Tackle's going to duck, she's going to do her spider crawl, and she's going to hit the spear. So maybe Micah throws the clothesline, she throws it so hard that she kind of almost spins herself around and it takes two or three seconds to, uh, to get back around. By the time she gets around, there's the spear. So to me, that just takes me out of that, that fancy move. And again, her selling or lack thereof, I just, I just, I don't know. I just don't understand it. It's, I found it more egregious in um, the tag team match on night five, the selling. Um, but you're absolutely right. Um, I think the best person who's taken that toxic spider spear is probably Starlight Kid. Um, I think a Corrigan. Um, yeah. And that was because she turned around so quickly and Tekla was there straight away into the spear. Um, she, You mentioned that contagious energy that she's got and she has, you know, she's got that relationship with the crowd and this, everything she does is so over the top. You know, her... You know, the way she is in pre-match promos, she's so over the top, so energetic. You know, she comes down to the ring, she's so over the top. Her offense, she's so over the top. And I don't know whether they're doing some sort of impervious to pain or enjoys the pain angle. So, you know, she wants you to forearm because she enjoys being hit or something like that. If that's what they're doing, that's not how it's coming across at all. It's coming across as sloppy selling. Now, that's not to say that Tekla is a sloppy wrestler. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, the question was asked to you, Matt, last week, I think on uh, by Valkage on Discord, um, in regard to Mariah's selling in particular. I thought Mariah, over these two nights, her selling improved stupendously, especially in that singles match with Yunagi. Loved I, it. I, thought, I, I can't wait to talk about that match. Yeah, go it was ahead. It's a really Sorry. good match. Um, but Tekla, I thought, I thought her selling was actually significantly worse. Um, and it, you know, that laughter at the start, like I understand it with the whole Mina angle because me, it's sort of a comedy angle that then transitioned into, you know, a more hard hitting affair, but this, it just seems, you know, you, you mentioned Mayu, Mayu drilled her with some machine gun chops, like really properly hit her hard to the point where Tekla had no choice but to sell. Has it in any way, and I was going to ask you this question um, after the tag match, but I'm going to ask it here now that we've talked about it. Does it lower your expectations for that SWA match at Nagoya Supreme Fight? Or do you think it's just, you know, do we need to wait and see Tekla in a single situation where there is something on the line? Well, we're, we're about to find out on the 29th. Um yeah, it, it kind of lowered the expectation a little, but at the same time, it's like, you know, I'm going to watch and see. You know, I'm, I'm not going to – she's only had one – I think, yeah, one singles match with Saki. So, we, you know, we'll see. She she gels really well with Julia. She gels really well with Julia. And if that's – if they're going to do – obviously, it's a conversation for another day, but if they're going to do a DDM Civil War and that's who she pairs off with, that that's a really good tag team. But yeah, there's just some stuff she does that just takes me out of it. And, again, you talked about how when she eats these forearms, is it supposed to be she's impervious to pain? 
It's like, okay, I see, I see, you know, the point you're making there, but five seconds later, Mayu's in there chopping her and then she's selling. So it's just like, well, one or the other, mm. you know, if you're going to go in, go all in on the bit, you know, if, if, if you're this killer and they're going to dress you up in a bear costume, you got to go all in on the bit. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Cannot wait to talk about but, Mike uh, and the bear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hashtag Rob Goodwin was right. So I was like, oh man, you called that one. Well, other than that, I thought the match was really good. Obviously, you have some excellent workers in here. You're, you're, you're building Mariah up. Julia, ever since she's come back, she's uh, just been on fire. Not that she was by any means less than a uh, main event worker before her injury. And obviously, you have the fantastic team of Mayu Koguma and, uh, and Hazuki as well. So uh, other, than, other than that, which kind of took me out of the match right in the beginning, and then you bring Mayu in. And uh, I, again, these three are so good. You know, the Stars team, they can work. Uh, go a sheep and a paper bag. I think I nailed it. Uh, <laughs> and, and the match will be really good. <laughs> Absolutely. And on it, I would be very interested, especially um, on Discord, because I know we've got quite a few people who watch Ice Ribbon. I'd, l- I'd love to know what Tekla was like in Ice Ribbon, because I'm obviously my entire exposure to her is just stardom. Was this a character flaw in Ice Ribbon as well? Was it portrayed a little bit better in Ice Ribbon? On Twitter, even, if, if you've got experience of um tackle and Ashburn, i'd love to hear your thoughts on um tackler's initial sort of goings in stardom um we then get to the main event of night four um and it's a six-woman tag team match uh with the ddm team of siori micah bear micah by the way and himika defeating the Tai team of momo watanabe starlike and ruwaka with siori pinning ruwaka with the buzzsaw kick in 17 minutes and 29 seconds let's talk about it it's the bear in the room let's talk about it micah she's been hypnotized by kogama's dance see she's become a bear she's lived in the wild She's understood what it means to be a bear. What the fuck? <laughs> Pardon my French. What the fuck was this, Matt? Hey, wait a minute. You're saying what? I love it. You're the one that called it. Just to give you listeners, just to give the listeners a little insight. So we record this show. We record it on a Saturday, right? Now, it's usually it's funny because as we record these shows, there's literally a stardom show going on or just about to finish up. So Rob said, I don't know if he said on the podcast or he told me before afterwards he's like i think mike is gonna come out like dressed as a bear and i was like oh geez like i think i don't know rob's drink at this point god bless him so i go to the gym i co- i go to the gym after we wrapped up the show last week i come home i go on twitter and i was like son of a bitch how did he like did he get tipped off like is he is he is he, is he the new dave Meltzer of starter where he's got like holes in the in the locker room where it was like like sherry took a picture and sent it to rob and it's like hey put this over on your podcast kid you know <laughs> Me and Siori are very, very close. Obviously, that is my uh, that is my in to stardom. There it is, folks. You heard it right here. You only get that. What other stardom podcast gives you that inside information? Come exactly. On exactly. Honestly, i I was watching this one at work because I got a free period, and I was like, Do you know what, I'm going to watch this match. And I watched it, and I was in the staff room on my own. It's a good job I was on my own because I absolutely wet myself laughing. When Siori and Himika are there in the opening promo, they're like, where's Micah? And then this bear appears, just completely zoned out of absolutely everything. The crowd are loving it. The crowd absolutely pissed themselves laughing at this. Um, Just like you say, if you're going to go in all in on the bit, you've got to go all in on the bit. And Himika, sorry, Micah again, you know, 
to beat the bear, you've got to become the bear. Um, wow. So... Just Ric Flair to... <laughs> Holy jeez. Um, honestly, and this is going to sound ridiculous, I haven't got any other notes for the match because I spent the entire time laughing about the fact that Mike has um, come out dressed as a bear. It it was a decent match. Um, I thought Himika and Momo had really good chemistry. Um, just Himika throwing ridiculous clothes. I think her clotheslines are becoming better and better and better and the Six women of her, Micah and Mirai, just launching lariats from left, right, and center is is a really, really entertaining concept to me. But I thought Himika looked really good. I talked to you before about just how quick she is over short distance, like proper sprinting into people in the corner. You can see some members of the Stardom roster who, when they're doing a splash in the corner, there's no real impact into it. Bloody hell, when Himika does it, good grief, she squashes opponents. Yeah, she uses her size to her advantage because the rest of the roster is small. And she, the, the, Mike and Himmick are both throwing those crazy, crazy clotheslines. So, yeah, it was entertaining. I know you don't have a lot of notes because you were distracted. I had, you know, uh, again, it was a solid match. You kind of had a little a small preview. They teased a little of Siri and Momo where it was like, you know, you're throwing those kicks and we haven't really seen the two of them clash. I, I mean, I don't know if they were in tags uh, towards the end of the year, but anytime I see Siri and Momo, especially when they were throwing kicks, I had flashbacks to their fantastic uh, five-star uh, final. Mm-hmm. So that was good. Then I, I also have another note in here. Uh, Momo and uh, Starlight Kid, you know, these past few shows are working really well together. And will they be the MK Sisters 2.0? Whoa. Oh. And they are doing the whole... Um... What was the move that they did? The Tiger Faint kick, um, which her and Mayu used to do, but Momo does it with just a kick to the back. So they are certainly pointing that way, and that w- I would love to see those go for the goddess. And they did sort of tease that um, that they will be going for the goddess of stardom titles um, at the end of night five. I would be more than up for that, Matt. More than up for it. Yeah, see, and again, we'll talk about it when we talk about the the final match here from the next show. But that tag division, I'm just really in the potential for it. I'm really, really intrigued to see where they go. But uh, again, these kind of quote-unquote road two shows, they're all just kind of building up for the main show. And just kind of based on kind of based on uh, this whole bear thing, I wouldn't be heartbroken if the main event of the show next week is, the, uh, is FWC versus Mike and Himika. I mean, man, is there... Is there any build, better built match going into it? I mean, for Christ's sakes, they turned Micah, who's <laughs> who's a badass, you know, who's almost won the almost beat Siri a few oh. times. Well, she actually she beat her in the five star. She beat you Tommy in the five star on night one, and almost beat her for the belt a few months ago. It's like, yeah, we turned her into a bear. And you're like, what? You're like, no, yeah, you need to watch it. It works, and it's working, and she's committing to the bit. So. <laughs> Man, we'll see what happens, but it's just like, damn, how did Rob figure that one out? <laughs> a bear gimmick on a pole match. It could be the next thing, the next first in stardom, just Cogma versus Micah on the next pay-per-view, a bear costume on a pole match. Could be. Um, and she do- we'll talk about this um, at the end of the next show, um, but Micah does say that she's got a special idea of how to beat the bear or to avoid Kogama's hypno- uh, hypnosis. So I'm intrigued to know your thoughts on that, Matt, and what that's going to amount to. A clothesline. It's a stiff-ass <laughs> Stan Hansen clothesline. <laughs> she literally clotheslined the bear out of Kogama. 
that'd be awesome. Like, you, like you'd be like, like you just show like they just show her watching tapes, and you just you know you just hear the uh, all Japan announcers going nuts and like, what are you watching? Like, don't worry about it. I got a special formula. That's it. She's watching Kabashi versus Stan Hansen just live the crap out of each other from like '93. You know, in Avengers, <laughs> where um, Hulk is talking to I can't remember who it is. It's the boss of Doctor Strange, and she taps him. And you've got Bruce Banner flying out of the body of Hulk. That's what I imagine happening. Micah just clotheslining Cogma, and then the ghost of a bear just escaping Cogma's body. <laughs> oh, I never, I never seen, I never seen a comic book movie. No, yeah, that's all I love. I've seen that movie three times in the theaters. Yeah, the ancient one. Yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Oh, anyway, like we said, obviously with Lady C's injury, um, this show from the sixteenth uh, of January had to be rearranged. So there's going to be some different matches and it basically affects the first match in the, uh, in the main event, which we'll talk about in a minute. But this was from the Loser Hotel Toyahashi in Aichi. It was in front of 260 people last year. Um, only Dragon Gate ran it. Um, so I'm going to be talking about some Dragon Gate stats in a sec. And this is the first time ever that Stardom have run the venue. Dragon Gate, again, like I mentioned before, were the only promotion to run it in 2021. They ran it in July as part of the Hopeful Gate Tour and drew 208 people. And then in February as part of the Truth Gate Tour and drew 202. Um, we opened with um, a three-on-one handicap match with Suri defeating Wakasukiyama, Mei Sakurai, and Ruaka with the Zanshu in seven minutes and 48 seconds. Now, Matt, I did an entire stardom book covering 2021, and I had no idea that her gut buster was called the Zanshu. No idea at all. I don't think I've ever seen Suri pin someone with it. But you know what? It worked. Oh, you wrote a book? Wow, I, is it I called don't know Living, if I've told it, anyone about this. <laughs> what's it called? Where, where can people get it? Go ahead, buddy. Get it in there. I, gave, I, threw, you, I threw you the You ball. did. You, th- you, you did lobby up for me. I've just got to hit you out of the bar now. It's called Living the Dream. Uh, you can get it wherever you get your books. Uh, the paperback is, of course, on Lulu. Uh, and the e-books you can get from Lulu or Amazon. Uh, please go and check it out. It was a labor of love. Uh, yeah, there you go. Little subtle plug there for you all. Boom. Yeah, this is, uh, I didn't know that either, because I don't think I've ever seen her beat anybody with that. Obviously, she uses the buzzsaw kick. She uses the um, the Emerald Flosion, which is called the Rua. Ruyen? Ruyen. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> Can never pronounce it. I should be able to pronounce it, because it's close to my shoot name. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I, I my notes for this was, I thought it went on a little bit too long, Shiri being the champion. I thought she kind of should have just ate right through them. Um, she gave Mayu a lot of off, or May a lot of offense in, and I just felt bad for poor Waka. Like especially in the beginning, where Waka's like, "No, I'll start." Shiri just grounds, pounds, and puts on all these sorts of different arm bars. And then anytime she gets like one or two things in, going towards the end of the match, Shiri just beats the crap out of her. I mean, she's just she just Waka has just such a lovable face that you just feel you know anytime she's in danger, you just feel bad for her, and you have the stiffest worker in the company and the champion just not only beating you down but like ready to take your arm and just looks like so legit i just felt really bad for her like i I just really did yeah it it was certainly a choice in an attempt to go one-on-one in a shoot style opening with suri wasn't it from wacker it was i don't know whether it was bravery or stupidity really but she ended up instantly in an arm bar and going to the rope so maybe it was stupidity um I'm I mean, talking about her and putting her over, so I don't know. Maybe it's a little of each, so <laughs> God, God bless her. Uh, you're absolutely right. May seemed 
but relatively clean once again. But apart from that and Wacker's infectious happiness and, you know, Ruwaka not at all being impressed about being made an honorary cosmic angel, um, there's there's not a great deal to talk about. I do agree with you. I think this perhaps went two minutes too long. You do want Suri eating through what are effectively three rookies. Um but, you know, you can argue it was a numbers game as opposed to anything. So, you know, again, no one's really affected by this match. It wasn't supposed to be this match. Um, I don't, I can't remember off the top of my head what the original card was supposed to be. But I think it was supposed to be Lady C. I think I think it was supposed to be uh, Ruaka was out and Lady C was supposed to be in this. I could be wrong. Ah, well, you know, even so, I don't think it makes much of a difference. It It was there. It sort of did a job, but... Otherwise, not a great deal to talk about, Matt. Um, match two was the tag team match we've been talking about. The Cosmic Angels, or Dream H, uh, Tam Nakano and Mina Shirakawa defeated the DDM team of Julia and Tekla. Um, Mina delivering Tekla's first pinfall loss with the glamorous collection Mina in 12 minutes and one second. Um, we've obviously talked a lot about Tekla on the previous night and everything that I saw in the six woman tag was sort of amplified in this match. And, you know, I'm not going to say the same things we've said before, and I'm certainly not going to pile on because the stuff she does in ring is, you know, is good. I'm I'm not bothered about that. The selling wasn't there. Um, and I know they were, you know, they were trying to build this relationship between Tekla and Mina, you know, they have this respect for each other. You know, they've both got T-shirts and things like that. And obviously they're building towards the match at Nagoya Supreme fight. But from what you saw between Mina and Tekla, you know, from the opening sequence, you know, there was a little bit of sloppiness there. Tekla at one point just flat out avoided all wrestling and just started pinching Mina, which was, again, a choice. Does this make you excited for their SWA match in uh, oh, Nagoya. No, my first note was there was too much Tekla versus Mina. I understand this match was to build to that match. Like, if this was 80% of this match was Tekla and Mina, the 20% that Tam and Julia was in were far, far outshined it. Uh, I love all the stuff. Obviously, Julia and Tam, they have a history. Um, maybe there's a little build towards their match because they're going to be in the three-way with uh, Mayu. But I, there was too much Tekla and Mina, and I think if the I think if the Tekla Mina match goes over seven minutes, I think I'm going to be bored. To be completely honest with you, I just think that, and, and the match is going to be different because I think they're going to do more ha ha, more you know the toxic spider versus sexy spider. And outside of uh, uh, Micah doing the bear gimmick, there's really not much of that <laughs> going into this big show next week. But um, yeah, I just I think that was too much, and uh, I don't know. I think Tekla came in with all this fanfare. When uh, when she was revealed to be the one of the Momo mass people, it's you know their her, the toxic spider thing went viral and there was a lot of praise on her, you know right from the beginning, which is good. You know anytime you get more eyes on the product or wrestling, that's good. But it just seems like the little things that she does, I just don't. And it just kind of just takes me out, or that she doesn't do like the selling. You know she's pinching me, and they're supposed to be in this title match. It's going to be the first champion since Siri. You know. Uh, she was a champion for over 400 days and she had to uh, vacate the belt because she's now the red belt champion. So this match should be like a bigger deal than just pinching and sexy spider and putting people's heads in shirts so they get squished by their boobs. I, I don't know. I just, I'm not excited for this match at all. Obviously, uh, I, yeah, I'm hoping that I'm wrong. I'm not a, not opposed to if I'm wrong about something, I'll be the first one to say, nope, I was wrong about that. I hope the two of them 
completely blow it out of the water because I want everything in stardom to be really good. So again, we'll see what happens a week from now, but yeah, I'm not, if if I'm looking at all the matches on the card, that's the one that I'm least looking forward to. Yeah, completely agree. The only sort of thing that I can say about that, the, the difference in confidence in Mina, especially over the last three months is unreal. She's like a different character from the one that came into stardom, like a different person. She, she carries herself differently in ring. She carries herself differently. She's trying new things. And I think that's great. I think that's one of the, the big positives to come out of this mini feud she's been having with Tekla. But yeah, I'm uh, to say that I'm not exactly buzzing for the SWA match is a little bit of an understatement. Um, again, I've got nothing against Tekla. I think she's a good wrestler. I think she's got some great moves. Her finisher, the DDD, is great. I just... I think she just needs to tone down certain aspects of her in-ring persona for it to be in-fitting. Because, you know... Do you know what? We've... we've we Let's not be negative. Let's let's move on. Um, the Julia and Tam brief exchanges are always really good, and I completely agree with you. It was here as well. Yeah, and again, we're, we we hope we're wrong. We hope we're wrong. Prove us wrong. You know, let's not be negative and uh, let's just you know move on. But yeah, Tam and Julia, you know, I'll take that all day, every day. Yeah, absolutely. Let's move on to uh, match three, the six woman tag team match. The stars team of Hazuki May, Wibatani, and Kogama defeated the Awida tag team of Momo Watanabe, Saki Kashima, and Starlight Kid with um, Kogama. Uh, pinning Saki with the side roll-up in 14 minutes and 43 seconds. Some interesting things to come out of the pre-match promo, uh, for once. Um, This is the first time since Sumo Hall that Hazuki has come face-to-face with Momo after Momo turned on it in their match. Uh, Mayu lists that all three women have betrayed her at some point. She doesn't count Starlight Kids as a betrayal, but Starlight chose not to come back after Mayu won the Gauntlet match on July 17th, so I do. Um, And then Kogama talks about how she still wants that high-speed belt, Um, and that's followed by perhaps the single best exchange of these two nights between Kogama and Starlight Kid. They have tremendous chemistry, and their high-speed exchanges seem to get better every time they face off, Matt. Yeah, you know, it's weird um, how Mayu said that she doesn't... You know, poor Mayu. I don't think she. I don't think she could ever have a relationship with anybody because she just can't trust anybody. <laughs> but it's weird about how she said Starlight Kid. She didn't see it as a betrayal because I kind of was like, other than the Io Shirai one, which set up the whole Queen's Quest uh, faction. I think that's the biggest betrayal she's ever had. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> but, may, but maybe she's just you know she's just saying, oh, she'll come back, which is we all think that's hopefully that's something that'll happen. You know, sometime maybe towards the end of the year, because um, I think everybody, especially from the Tokyo Dome, would love to see the MK sisters back together. But uh, yeah, going to this match, these last three matches were absolute bangers, uh, in my opinion. But yeah, it started out um, with a banger, as these always do with uh, Starlight Kid and Koguma. Yeah, their chemistry for high speed is just absolutely fantastic. There's great triple team action from the Stars team. Again, Mayu, Hazuki, and Koguma. I really think that they're the uncrowned champions. No disrespect to the DDM team. I just think that the, the three of them are so good together. Uh, Hazuki looked awesome here. I love it how she uh, she gets into her armbar. Like she'll have the, she'll have the person pinned. She doesn't hook the leg, but you see she has almost like a a control over the wrists because she knows she's going to float over into. I'm sorry, the uh, the cross face. Um, and that cross face, there is no room for error in that thing. There's no holds. There's no daylight going through. When I see holds, I want to see them look legit. And that cross face she throws on 
is absolutely brilliant. Um, Koguma Momo. Uh, I literally have that's a singles match that I would like to see. And you know, going into this, everything kind of you know breaks down between these 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 six uh, six wrestlers. But coming out of this, that's the match I want to see the most is uh, Kogum and Momo. And uh, I thought Saki Cash would look excellent here. You know, for her kind of be the lowest person on the totem pole as far as star power goes, I thought she came looking out great. Obviously, I kind of figured she would eat the pin, which she did here, but she didn't lose anything. She didn't lose anything. In my opinion, yeah, she gained. And I know that you've been big on her. Uh, every time we talk on the podcast, and I see more and more, she's a very underrated wrestler uh, in Oedo Tai. So I thought this this match was this match was excellent. Finish was good. Everybody looked good. Everybody came out of this uh, looking better. I mean, talking about Kogma, obviously, I know um, Chris, who we've had on the podcast, you know, to do the uh, to do the end of year awards. Someone that he, I know that he's fallen out of love with Stardom, but one of the big things that he says is a huge positive in Stardom is Kogma. And I completely agree with him. Like, she is absolutely phenomenal. She can do the comedic bits and it legitimately be funny as well. That's a really important thing. It comes across as entertaining, but she can also have those fantastic, absolute bangers of matches, which we saw against Starlight Kid. And then again, against Starlight Kid and Azumi, she's capable of having absolutely fantastic matches. Um, Hazuki and Momo, I thought, briefly had one of the most intense and raw emotional exchanges, and it was absolutely fantastic. I loved it. Um, we did have, you know, a little bit of Mayu, but I'm wondering if she's a little bit injured, you know, um, because she was wearing, I don't know if you noticed, the sort of compression shorts, and I don't know if that was just because she was cold, because she was wearing a massive fur coat during both promos, or if she's got some sort of muscle strain or something like that. But we didn't see a great deal of Mayu. Um, but we did see a lot of Hazuki versus Momo and Kogama versus Starlight. So I'm always going to be here for that. Um, poor Saki. Like, I've ne- I don't think I've ever looked at a matchup and thought anyone screamed Penny to as much as Saki did in this match. She's like, so good. And she's, she's so, so good. good. I know. But I looked at it and was like, they're not going to have anyone else eat the pinfall. It's definitely going to be Saki. And sure enough, she got rolled up by Koguma. But this was one of the few matches that I actually gave a star rating to over this over these two nights. Um, I gave it three and a half stars. I thought this was really, really entertaining. And you said these last three matches on this show are absolute bangers. Yeah, I had a uh, three and a half stars as well. And I'm actually kind of excited to kind of oh, plug the Patreon real quick. Obviously, the next thing we're talking about is our uh, top 10 hidden gems. And in your book, Living the Dream, you have all these <laughs> matches rated. And I haven't looked yet. So uh, I'm probably going to watch five or six of these matches probably today because uh, I have a kind of a break towards the end of my day today. And I'm excited to see what I'm going to rate them and then open up the, your book, which is called Living the Dream. Uh, you can get on Amazon and Lulu. Uh, <laughs> and because we, when, we, when we rate these matches, we're always like half a star off. So I'm excited yeah. to see out of these 10 matches how close we're going to be on the rating. But, uh, yeah, I thought this, this match was, uh, was, was tremendous. You know, it was, it was a good way to, to kind of tip off the, these last three matches of the tour. Absolutely. And we talk about, you know, we saw Saki and we thought nothing screams Pinny to like Saki on this matchup. To me, nothing screamed time limit draw more than this match, which was uh, the singles match match for Yunagi Sayaka versus Mirai ending in the time limit draw for 15 minutes. And, you know, we've talked until the cows come home about stardom's use of a start of a uh, of a multi uh, sorry of a time limit draw. But I actually thought this worked. Both women, who were obviously both going for um, belts 
uh, Nagoya Supreme fight, Mirai going for the red belt, Nagi going for the white belt. This is quite astonishingly when you consider she's going for the top prize in stardom. This is Mirai's first singles match, and she's going for the red belt in less than two weeks. That's an astonishing statistic for me. And obviously I know that, you know, there's other things going into it to make this a compelling um, match. And I am very excited to see what Mariah can do with Siori. But isn't that crazy that she's had one singles match heading into this pay-per-view, Matt? We talked between texting and talking on this podcast and before and after that. We're kind of like, well, this is the first big show of the year and she's getting a title shot. We were kind of scratching our heads. And again, I haven't seen anything of Mariah other than since she's been in stardom. But literally, the last note I wrote is, I buy Mirai now as a solid challenger for Siri. Um, and kind of go, and just to kind of get in the head of, you know, poor Yunagi is going into this match. She, you know, they have to sell it because she's getting the white belt shot and Mirai is getting the red belt shot coming here at the, you know, anniversary show. But in her head the day before, she just, you know, it wasn't her fault or whatever. But regardless, she's looking at somebody got injured during a move that I did. So you're kind of wondering how this match is going to play out. And that clearly, she clearly left that at the door. She clearly left the baggage at the door at that because she was great in this match. Uh, this match was, to quote Jim Ross, bowling shoot ugly. And I mean that <laughs> the best way. I like my wrestling hard hitting. And, you know, we talked about how Tekla's selling or whatever, her lack of selling. And Mariah selling. Mariah selling on this was fantastic. And she did, had an offensive and a defensive selling. And what I'm trying to say is there's just one spot in the match that I literally was just like, that was awesome. Yunagi throws a Yakuza kick, a boot, right to Mariah's face. It's stiff. She hits her with it. Mariah sells it for a second, second and a half, and then she shrugs it off and then drills her with a Dynamite Kid-style left-handed lariat. And I love left-handed lariats because it just makes me think of how awesome Dynamite Kid is uh, was. So just, and it was just that point where we talked about if you're going to kind of no-sell a strike – do a Brian Danielson, a Minoru Suzuki, Yuji Nagata, Masawa, Kawada, yada, 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 where you eat the strike, and then you sell it for a second, second and a half, you shrug it off, you hit a big strike back, and then both of you can go down and sell. It's literally a spot that takes five, five and a half seconds, but that one spot to me was just like, okay, I am completely sold just from that, the way she sold for a little bit, was able to shrug it off and drill Yunagi with that left-handed lariat after she just ate an insane kick to the face from Yunagi. So I'm super excited um, going to this match with Shiri. And uh, Mariah's submissions, she had a phenomenal uh, double wrist lock. The way she got it on, the way she you know, positioned her body, didn't look like she would get out of it. And the psychology of Yunagi to kind of get out of, you know, anytime she was putting a, 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 a submission, you know, instead of going to the ropes or trying to get out of it, she would roll Mariah up, which is just basically like, okay, if you stay in this Submission for three seconds, I'm going to get the win, forcing Mariah to break the submission and create a little bit of separation. But I thought this match was awesome. Yeah, I loved it. I mean, Mariah's selling is considerably better than it was on the 10th of January, which, you know, we've already talked about. And I thought Mar we talked about Mike as lariats. We talked about him as lariats. But there are some lariats that Mariah throws here where she damn near decapitates Yunagi and Yunagi sells it beautifully and it's not just about your selling on defense it's you know we've got Mirai selling exhaustion as she's throwing these lariats and then collapsing into the ropes and things like that it's subtle things like that that make you realize that you know oh she has got a different layer and to begin with one of the things that I was a little bit not 
what's the best way of describing it? I wasn't necessarily a bit cautious, let's say, of Mirai was the only thing that I've really seen are lariats and body slams. And that's sort of the extent of what I've seen of her offense. And is that going to be enough to keep me compelled during a red belt match, which is, you know, inevitably going to go 20 plus minutes. And this match was the first time I thought, you know what? No, I am completely engaged. I've loved this match. It went 15 minutes, didn't feel 15 minutes. Um, It felt like they even had an extra gear to go to. And it was still a great match. So all of my doubts surrounding Mariah's offense completely dispelled. I thought her lariats looked fantastic. You naggy, considering that she spent a significant amount of time on the back foot, looked great. Again, can't be easy to have injured someone or an injury to have taken place. Unfair to say that she injured you, um, Lady C. But to be able to sort of put that, you know, to the back of your mind and then to put on a really, really, really great match in, you know, a show that is ultimately going to be hidden in the annals of time effectively um, come, you know, three weeks down the line. I thought this was really, really good. What did you give it rating-wise? It'd be interesting to see where we are on this. I gave it uh, three and a half stars. I gave it three and a quarter. So again, we're uh, we're roughly on the same page here, Matt, which is always promising, always promising. Yeah, yeah. go us. Go us, exactly. Um, main event then, tag team match. Micah and Himika defeated Aphrodite when Micah pinned Saya Kamatani with the Michinoku Driver 2 in 18 minutes and 47 seconds. Now, apparently, Micah has worked through her bear problems and bear her tire transitioning back into normal Micah. She's got the bear out of her system. She's normal Micah once again. And this opening exchange this entire thing between Micah and Saya is perhaps the most entertaining thing on the show for me those reversals the speed of which both of these women are working so crisp so clean god I want to see this as a singles match god I want to see this for the white belt and with everything that happens at the end I imagine that at the culmination at the climax of Saya versus Yunagi Micah will walk out and be the next challenger. That's my personal thought. I agree with you 100%. But uh, I'm going to back up the pre-match promo. Aphro- Aphrodite, Sai, and Utami, they say that they want a shot at the tag belts uh, in the future. So I was thinking, now I read the results for this about a week <clears> or so ago, but as I was watching this last night, I forgot who won. Mm. Um, so I'm like, huh. It's like, well, they're you know laying claim to be challengers, even though Mike and Himika are the next challenger. So I'm Watch this match, and at the start, and I'm like, well, who's going to get the pinfall? Are they going to do back-to-back time limit draws? I don't think so, but it wouldn't be out of the realm. So I was thinking, okay, Micah and Himika, here's my thought process going in. They're the next challengers, so they can't lose. But Sai is the white belt champion, and Utami was the red belt champion for 400 days. So I'm thinking, well, who's going to get the pinfall? So as this match is building, I'm thinking Sai and Utami are going to win. Wouldn't it be crazy if Mike and Himika win the tag belts at the end of the month after coming off a loss, and then Utami and Saya, they can you know, run this one back. And I think the tag division is just so stacked and coming off this match that it's like, it reminds me of Ring of Honor, like 10, 12 years ago, where you had the Briscoes, the King of Wrestlings, uh, Motor City Machine Guns, Cena and Generico, the Young Bucks were just coming up. You had all these fantastic tag teams, and at any, you know, Tyler Black and Jimmy Jacobs, any point in time, there could be a tag title change, and you can make it the main event. And everybody would be okay with it because everybody is almost so evenly matched. But uh, I thought the finish here made complete sense. Um, 
Yeah, again, because you're just you want to build up more challenges for Saya. And I wouldn't be shocked if Micah does win the white belt. Maybe not this match, but maybe sometime in the summer or the fall. Because I thought, you know, the way the match started, you had Utami and uh, Himika. It's a really good chain wrestling. Everything was, uh, I thought everything went really well uh, between the two of them. Kind of just, you know, building up the match. But then there was some great exchanges with Saya and Micah. And I think Micah is the perfect base for Saya's offense. You know, very much like... Uh, uh, Cesaro is like the perfect base for for just about everybody. I was just saying to way, anyone. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's the and I've I've wrestled him uh, a few times and it was just he so you know just like Mike is so giving and just so easy to work with just because he's the big base. Um, but I thought this match was absolutely fantastic and again uh, it made me think just how well the tag division is going to be going forward because you have Micah Himika, you have FWC, you have Saya Utami, you have possibly. Momo and Starlight Kid, you have um, Mayu and whoever she teams up with. Maybe, you know, when Hannah comes back from school, it's Hannah. The possibility of Kerry Hojo coming back. Uh, there's so much that you can do in the tag division, and you can make it main event any show for the belts, and it would make complete sense. So uh, I thought this was an absolute banger. I thought out of the two shows, this was the uh, the best match, and I gave this a solid four stars. I mean... Aside from Micah and Sire, and obviously they've got history dating back to the future of the Stardom Championship, um, I thought that the audience was so receptive of the Utami and Himika sort of just big hoss forearms and slapping each other with lariats, and the audience was so into it. it I mean, it was a lovely venue as well, by the way. We should talk about that for a minute. The uh, ballroom that they were in, lovely. The ceiling, fantastic. Um Sorry, got completely distracted. But I thought this, considering this was a match that had to be done basically on the fly because of injury and the fact that they were still able to not only put together a fantastic match, but also sort of change it also. We've got things like storyline going in with the whole Aphrodite wanting to challenge for the tag belts. And then we've got Micah pinning Saya, so she could potentially be the next challenger or the challenger after that for the white belt. They did tremendously well here. I gave it three and three quarters. I thought, considering all of those factors, this was an absolute banger. And this, you know, we're looking ahead to 2023. This could be one of those aforementioned hidden gems that we talk about, you know, in January 2023, about 2022. It was a really, really good match. There was no one being carried. All four women gave everything. Um... Post-match, FWC came out, uh, Kogma with a bear balloon, obviously, um, and Micah says that she knows a clever way to break Kogma's bear spell. Matt, you think he's just she's just going to lariat the bear out of her? Do we, do we think that's what's going to happen? I think you take your uh, Avengers Endgame theory and my... <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, Avengers Infinity War theory. I should know better. And uh, my Stan Hansen, Kenta Kabashi, All Japan theory. And let's melt the best, best of two worlds together. Let's, let's melt the King's Road, Stan Hansen, and Avengers Endgame. And uh, that's how you beat the bear. I'd love to see it. I would absolutely love to see it. Um, so, just a couple of previews. Before we talk about uh, Nagoya Supreme Fight and give our predictions as to who is going to win those battles, um, we've got two shows before then. The first of which is, obviously, today as we're recording, Saturday the 22nd of January, in Kres Gymnasium in Kochi. The matches are as follows. Singles match, Wakasukiyama versus Saki Kashima. 
We then got another singles match, which sees Himika take on Yunagi. Um, tag team match with Micah and Suri taking on Aphrodite. I am very excited about that. And then we've got two six-woman tags to close the show. The first is the DDM team of Julia Tekla and Marai taking on the Uedatai team of Momo Watanabe, Starlight, Ken Ruaka. And then the main event is going to be the Stars team of Mayu, Hazuki, and Kogama taking on the Cosmic Angels team of Tam, Mina, and Mei Sakurai. Anything that jumps out at you there, Matt? Anything that really tickles your fancy? The last two, I mean, everything kind of looks like it's going to be solid, but it's going to be interesting to see Julia, who's, you know, this badass against evil Momo uh, and the sixth woman. Then obviously anytime you get uh, the stars team of Mayu, Koguma, and Hazuki in the ring, especially, you know, some more Mayu and Tam, uh, those two should be interesting. Those two are the two ones that jump out. I mean, who was, who was Aphrodite wrestling? I'm sorry. Aphrodite are wrestling the team of Suri and Micah. Ooh, you know what? That's the match I'm probably looking forward to the most. Exactly what I thought. I was like, oh, that could be real. If they give that 15 minutes, that could be really, really tasty. So we've also got, sorry, I'm also eating an orange at the same time. We've got the show from the 23rd of January, which will be from the Edian Arena Osaka 2. And this will be the last show before Nagoya Supreme Fight. And that is as follows. We have got... The Momo Kogo um, sort of assessment match against um, Yunagi Sayaka. We've then got a three way tag team match with Aphrodite taking on the Cosmic Angels team of Mina Shirakawa and Wakasukiyama and the Oida Tai team of Saki Kashima and the returning Fukikan Death. We've then got a singles match Tam Nakano versus Mei Sakurai. We then end with two six woman tags. The first, Stars, Mayu, Hazuki and uh, Kogama taking on Momo, Starlight Kid, and Ruaka. And then possibly the biggest match, we've then got an all-DDM six-woman tag, the team of Julia, Mirai, and Tekla taking on Himika, Micah, and Suri. I mean, Matt, aside from the main event, which we'll talk about in a second, what sort of tickles your fancy there? Oh, man. Uh... You know the the co-main uh, that 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 should definitely be interesting. But yeah, that it's basically the main event is a DDM civil war, and I'm going to go on on a limb here, bet no money, but I'm going to go on a limb and chain Julia Pinsiri. Wow, betting no money, maybe a dollar, a dollar. Wow, go, going out on a limb here, I like it. And then if if I lose that dollar, you the fans can use that dollar to subscribe <laughs> to our high speed tier on our Patreon. <laughs> oh, what what a salesman! Honestly, the way you transition into things is just oh, it's beautiful. It's a thing of beauty, Matt. I have a theory, and I know it won't happen, but what if Julia was to? Because someone has to take the pinfall, unless they do time limit draw, which you know they might well do. They might well do. But if they're going to go for a pinfall, what about if Julia beats Suri? But because Tekla cheated. What if Tekla cheats, hits Suri with the ref, well, the ref's back's turned, whatever, and then Julia pins Suri? That could be the genesis of something because Stardom have the opportunity here to really start to plant those seeds. Even if it goes to a, you know, a time limit draw, they've got the opportunity to really plant seeds, especially between Himika Micah and then Mariah and Tekla because I've got a feeling it's going to be about Himika. Himika is going to be 
the linchpin here somewhere. I've just got that feeling that she's going to be the one who voices her displeasure first, possibly because she had a claim to the red belt first. I don't know. But this could be really, really entertaining. I mean, I've seen, you know, looking at the rest of the card, I've seen some negativity towards Tam versus May Sakurai. You know, it's been a while since we've seen May in a singles match. She is with Tam. So, you know, we've seen Tam work wonders with Yunagi and with Mina up until Mina's injury. So it'll be interesting to see what she does with May. May has progressively looked better in multi-womans or multi-women matches. We'll see what she does when it comes to um when it comes to a singles match. Are you quietly optimistic, Matt, that this could be a good match? I think it can be just because again, it's Tam and she's in there with a stable and by making her stable mates look better, she makes the stable look better. And who is the leader of that stable? Tam. So uh, I think Tam will do everything in her power to make that match make sense and make her look good. It'll probably go about six, seven minutes. Uh, but I think that it's going when, when we're reviewing it next week on the podcast, I think we're both going to think well, that match was better than we thought it was going to be. Interesting. So let's look ahead to Nagoya Supreme fight then. Someone I didn't mention who, of course, was off the cards due to injury is Azumi. And she returns at Nagoya Supreme fight. We've actually had a couple of card changes to Nagoya Supreme fight. So the opener on the pre-show, which was initially going to be a believer five-way, is now a battle royal with Momokogo, Waka Sukiyama, Mei Sakurai, Fukikin Death, Ruwaka, Saki Kashima, and Rina. So that's your pre-show match. We've then got the Future of Stardom Championship match between Hannon and Lady C. Obviously, we hope Lady C is going to be all right. Now, this is the ch- other change on the card. The grudge match, which was initially a singles match between Utami and Momo, is now a tag team match. Utami, Hayashishita, and Azumi taking on the team of Momo Watanabe and Starlight Kid. Um... Matt, I know you were extremely excited about the promise of a singles match between Utami and Momo. Are you disappointed in what they've changed it to? Yes and no. Uh, Here's the reason why. Yes, because obviously I want to see that match. No, just because we talked about it last week that this match should be the main event or the co-main event of a big show. And it's almost lost in the shuffle because it's only, it's like, I think about the third match down. I think you just said. So I think the fact that they're making it a tag match uh, you're kind of teasing it a little. Obviously, you have Azumi looking for revenge. We'll see some Azumi star-like kid, which is which will be good. And the main focus, I think, will be Utami and uh, Momo. Um, so I think just the fact that this they may have looked at this card that's like, well, it's so stacked, and this is probably the biggest. You know, no disrespect to any of the championships because they've done a phenomenal job over the years building up all the belts. But to me, this was, and I said it last week, that's the match I want to see the most is Momo and Utami, just because, you know, the Queen's Quest and the match that they had uh, when Utami was champion a year, a year and change ago. And obviously, there's a completely different dynamic with Momo being the heel and Utami being super aggressive by, you know, pulling on Momo's hairs and hair uh, post match promos. But I think putting this as a tag match in this stacked card, I think, is the way to go because I think we're going to get it as a main event or a co main event somewhere within the next four four to six weeks. That's my theory on, on, on what they did. And I think booking-wise, booking wise, it's smart. Because if you put this match third match down, you're only going to give it nine or ten minutes, which it would be great, but I think this match needs somewhere around 20 to uh, tell that story. Don't forget as well, Matt, we've got two nights at Sumo Hall we have to fill. And to put Utami and Momo on one of those nights as a featured match, 
in a huge venue might be the way to go as opposed to doing it here. You know, you don't want to spaff all of your Queen's Quest feuds up the wall before we've had a chance to really build them and really add that layer of aggression. So we've got this one here, and I fully expect Oe the Tide to win, and we'll do our predictions in a moment. But what about then if on the second night of World Climax in Sumo Hall, Utami and Momo go 17 minutes. Momo bludgeons Utami, wins, and then challenges the winner of the Red Belt later on that night. You know what? I would totally not only be in for that, I would watch it, and I will come on a podcast and talk to you about it. How about that? I think that's a great idea. I think we should make a date and put it in the diary for that, Matt. I think that would be a great idea. <laughs> um, so let's go through this card, and let's just give our predictions for who is going to win. We've talked quite a lot, obviously, about the build and things like that, so let's give our predictions as our last thing before we sign off. Um, that Battle Royal, so I'll just remind you of the... Um, the entrance, Rina, Saki Kashima, Ruaka, Fukukin Death, Mei Sakurai, Wakasukiyama, and Momo Kogo. I mean, for me, it's going to be Fukukin Death. It's a multi-woman on the pre-show. Any multi-woman pre-show match, it's going to be Fukukin Death, Matt. I would say Fukukin Death, but just to be different, I'm going to say Saki, because I think Saki somewhere down the line is going to get that white belt uh, title shot just because she pinned Saya uh, at the... Um at the captain's match towards the end of the year. But yeah, I mean, food, always bet on death, but just to be different, I'm going to say Saki. Interesting. So we open the main card with the Future of Stardom Championship match, Hannon versus Lady C. I'm going to go Hannon. I just add, much as Lady C has done tremendously well, improved hugely, I don't think she's quite ready for the Future of Stardom Championship just yet. I do think she'll hold it absolutely but I see Hannon retaining here. You know, this is the hardest match for me to pick, which is all a good way to start it off. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, obviously, we hope that Lady C is okay, but I'm going to agree with you saying Hannah wins, but I would not be shocked if I'm wrong, considering the fact that these last few big shows when I do predictions, I'm wrong about 50% of the time. So <laughs> I wouldn't go to Vegas and bet any money on it, but I'm going to agree with you and say Hannon's going to win. We then go on to the aforementioned grudge tag team match, the Queen's Quest team of Utami and Azumi taking on the Uedatai team of Starlight and Momo. I would be incredibly surprised if Queen's Quest win this because aside from Momo beating Azumi, Uedatai have had a lot of losses in the last couple of weeks. So they need the win here, in my opinion, especially to keep that heat of Momo's turn going, especially if we are going to head towards... I mean, I know we've got a big show in February in uh, Nagata, but it wouldn't surprise me if they try and build this towards Sumo Hall. For me, Momo has to win and, and has to be the one doing the pin. I agree, but not as uh, defined as you, just because what if, if Zumi pins Starlight Kid and then this way she gets her high-speed title shot? Because we have some shows we have to fill in February getting to the, uh, those mm. big shows in March. So that's a possibility that they can go with. I wouldn't be shocked if, uh, I mean, if that, if Queen's Quest is going to win, that's the way I think it needs to be done. I think it needs to be Azumi coming back from an injury, all fired up, pissed off, and she pins her, you know, her first rival, um, Starlight Kid, and then you kind of build that there. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to agree with you and say that uh, Momo's got to get the f fall here. And who does, does she pin? Uh, Utami, does she pin Azumi? What do you think? I think she pins Azumi. Yeah, I agree. I think she just keeps beating her until she finally gets like, you know, maybe like a revenge match coming up. But yeah, I agree, but I would not be shocked if they go the other way with this. 
I, in my opinion, in in my head, they're going to build it. Obviously, not to the same standard, but I, in my head, they're going to do it like the EO versus Mayu match, that first match where Momo took apart Azumi. You're then going to have this second match in the series where Azumi is going to be that fired up that she's going to make a mistake. Momo's going to capitalize, and then we're going to have a, a third one in the trilogy whenever down the line, and that will be the one Azumi wins. But here. I think we need to keep that fire going. We need to keep that hatred towards Momo going. So that that's how I see it. Um, if you fans are wondering what Rob's talking about with the uh, Io uh, Mayu, you can listen to the full review of Io Shirai's 14 <laughs> title defenses on our Patreon. Absolutely. Sign up to our white belt or red belt tier to get two bonus episodes a month. I tell you what, honestly, can't believe how well you're integrating these. It. it it's a thing of beauty, like I said before. Um, we've then got match three, the vacant SWA World Championship match. Uh, Mina Shirakawa versus Tekla. Um, Matt, I'll let you go first on this one. Uh, Tekla, again, you know, we've, I don't like to be negative, especially about stardom, uh, especially about wrestling in general, just because I just love all of it. But uh, uh, yeah, Tekla's going to win, and I just hope this match is a lot better than, uh, than I talked about that it could be. <sighs> I do like the idea of Mina going on excursion, but until COVID restrictions are lifted, it wouldn't surprise me if they have Tekla hold it for a couple of months just so that she can have some matches in Japan. Because obviously if Mina wins it, you've got Tekla that she can fight against until all of the COVID um, restrictions are out of place. So yeah, I'm going to go Tekla. Hopefully it'll be a good match, but... I'll just leave it at that. Hopefully it'll be a good match. Uh, match four. We've then got the Goddesses of Stardom Championship match with the champions FWC taking on the challengers Micah and Himika. Um, go on, Matt. What do you think? This is the people's main event, in my opinion, the way that this <laughs> match has been built. Uh, this, I think this, this could steal the show. I really think that this could be the best match of the show, either this or the main event. And then we have the three-way. Jeez, I'm really talking. I just talked myself in and out of what we match <laughs> this show. But just how well these two teams have been built up, you know, uh, I think this is going to be great. I'm excited to see the uh, the breaking of the bear. But I think just because it's FWC's first title defense, uh, they obviously they won the uh, the Goddess of Stardom tournament to get the title shot. They finally beat ALK. Uh, I think F- I just don't see uh, FWC losing the belts this quick. But again, I would not be shocked and surprised because we do have the you know, the uh, um, the kind of the bonus benefactor here is how is how is Mikey going to beat the bear? And does she beat the bear here? So I don't know. So we have like a storyline inside of a storyline inside of a storyline with four fantastic competitors. Storyline exception. It's what we love to see. I also think that it will be FWC that take the win here. Um, I don't think Mike or Himika will really be their pushes won't be derailed by losing here, um, especially if it's by a flash roll-up from Kagamor or the Hazuki Stral. It would, you know, something like that wouldn't surprise me. We then got match five, which is the wonder of Stardom Championship, which will see the champion Sayakamitani defend against Yunagi Sayaka. I think we're both in agreement here, Matt, that Sai is winning this. Yeah, this is just to kind of build her. And I think Yunagi's going to get built up here too. I think she's going to have another banger of a match. You know, we, We've seen her have a the banger of a match with Mirai. I think this is going to be another really good one. But I just, if I'm going to put all my money on one match in this card that I know I'm right, this is the one. I don't think there's any way that uh, Saya loses here. One question I just wanted to ask 
obviously we've come off the back of two fairly long white belt reigns in Julia and Tam. Is Sire the one to have that shorter reign? Maybe defend it here, defend it in February, and then lose it at Sumo Hall, maybe to a Mica? Or do you yep. see Sire holding this for a long time? Nope. What you've been said what I, is what I think is going to happen. I think she'll she'll defend it here. She'll get the Saki. Um, I think Saki's going to uh, she'll challenge for the belt again, just based off the pinfall she had at the end of last year over Saya, and maybe one more. Maybe she'll have two defenses in February just to load up those shows. But I think she's going to lose it to uh, to Micah at one of the Sumo Hall shows. Wouldn't surprise me at all. The semi main then three-way match uh, with two winners being established. Obviously, those two winners will face the Red Belt champion on the 26th and the 27th of March, respectively, at those sumo hall shows, with the match being between Maiwe Watani, Julia, and Tam Nakano. Now, we spoke about this last week, and I had a theory that the winners were going to be Mayu and Julia, with Mayu losing on the 26th to Suri, and then Julia beating Suri on the 27th. Now, I'm quite proud of my own little fancy book in there, so I'm going to stick with that. What do you think, Matt? Do you, I know you've got a love for Tam. Is that personal love of Tam going to make you sort of go a, go that way, or do you think it's a Mayu and Julia slam dunk? Yeah, I, uh, It's not a slam dunk, but I think we everyone agrees that Mayu's going to get uh, going to get one of the shots. But I just want to make sure, I was reading up on this the other day, I just want to make sure I have this right. That so it's a three way. Whoever gets the first pinfall, they leave the match and they get the first shot on the twenty sixth. Do I have that correct? That is the way I've interpreted it. Yes. Okay, because originally I thought before I read it, I thought it would be whoever gets pinned. Like say Mayu pins Julia. Julia is out, so she can't defend. But it's whoever gets the first pinfall, they get the first shot. Which I think whoever gets the first pinfall should get the shot at the second date. But so obviously they have something lined up here. Uh, I, I like your theory. It's a very good possibility, but I think it's going to be Mayu's going to get the pinfall. She's going to exit it, and then I think that I think that's definitely what's going to happen because they're definitely building between the three of them to a Julia Tam singles match, and we're going to get like a half a singles match here. So I think Mayu gets the first pinfall, and then I think it's going to be Tam getting the second one. But I would not be shocked at all if your theory is right. It wouldn't surprise me if Tam doesn't get the red belt shot here. She's just come off the back of a white belt reign. So, Julia gets the last shot. Mayu loses on the 26th. Julia wins on the 27th. Because, again, we've just come off the back of two effectively year-long reigns. Uh, well, it was a year-long reign. It's 400 days from uh, Utami, 409, I think, 402. Um, and then Mayu was 377 days. Wouldn't surprise me if Suri is a shorter champion. So why not have her beat Mayu, complete that legacy, lose to Julia... And then if we do that big show at the end of the year, as proved by the Budokan show, what main evented that show? Julia versus Tam, what got all the hype? Julia versus Tam, why not have that as your big title match at the end of 2022, Tam versus Julia for the Red Belt? There's history there, there's enough there to fuel a fantastic main event, the same as they did with Utami and Siori. That's where I think this will go. I see your point, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say this: Whoever eats the pinfall in the first three way, that's the person that's going to win the second fall. Because I think then that'll be a build. It's like okay, because like say Julia gets beat by Mayu, and then Tam beats Julia. Well, then you just kind of bury Julia. She just ate two falls. So I think the person that eats the first fall is going to win the second fall. Agreed. I think that's I think that's I think that's that's going to happen. Not that I mean I think Tam and Mayu. I think all three of these 
ladies can lose three or four matches in a row and then build themselves back up in a show. Oh yeah, uh, I think they're all, I think they're all I think they're all that they're that good. I see your point, but again, to me, in the back of my head, the booking right now needs to be to get the red belt on Momo as soon as possible. And you can have so many people. You know, we talked about how maybe that's what's going to happen in the co-main event of the second day. Momo beats Utami and then challenges Siri for the belt and then beats Siri, you know, in April or May. And then you give her a five, six, seven-month run where you can have Mayu Chase. You can have Julia Chase. You can have Sherry Chase, Utami Chase up until, you know, towards the end of the year. I think the smart booking is the money's in the chase. And you need um, coming off Utami's big reign. Obviously, it was a financial success for stardom in 21 so you need to do something that's going to capitalize on that and i think a heel momo as champion for a good part of the year with all these baby faces chasing uh you know the money's in the chase and i think that's where they should go and that's where i think they will go but i would not be shocked if your theory is right and then we've got the main event the world of stardom championship match a 30 minute time limit so time limit has been re-established for this main event siori the champion versus mirai if you had to give a percentage of Mirai winning, is it higher than a 3% chance or not? Now, let me ask you, I'm going to ask you your question with a question. Who has a better shot at winning, Unagi or Mirai? Oh, God. Uh, Unagi. Yeah, I think I think Unagi's 3.5%, Mirai is 3%. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think we see any of the major belts change hands. Um, obviously, the artists of Sardin belts aren't on the line because Natsupoi's not on the card. I just see this as being a very, very good match quality card. But I think, obviously, we have got to start building towards Sumo Hall because not only are we having one night at Sumo Hall, we're having two nights at Sumo Hall, and we've got a pay-per-view in the middle of that as well in February. Um, I think that's the end. So let's tie this off. Thank you so much for listening. We really do appreciate it. Um, If you want to find us on any podcast platform, subscribe there. We are literally everywhere you can follow our patreon and subscribe to our patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash the stardom cast and you can get exclusive bonus episodes and again we'll be looking at the 20 sorry the 10 hidden gems of 2021 and of course that sumo hall show from 2013 um you can talk to us on twitter at, at the stardom cast you can talk to me on twitter at, at real rob goodwin matt where can they find you Look for me on Instagram and or the Twitter. Just uh, search Matt Turner OF and I'm right there. And uh, always, it seems like every day I'm getting some positive feedback on the podcast or some really, really good, interesting questions. Um, and if it's a question that I can't answer, uh, I could probably ask Rob and he would probably know as well. So we appreciate all the feedback that uh, that, that we've gotten. Uh, it's nothing but been positive. So uh, let's keep moving forward. And if I don't know, I'll ask our Discord, which, of course, you can join by looking at the podcast description notes and clicking on the Discord server link. It's a great place to be and just chat random nonsense about stardom. Um, And, yeah, thank you for listening, guys. Um, We'll be back again next week talking about the shows on the 22nd and the 23rd. And then we'll be back to go through the Nagoya Supreme Fight show. Until then, thank you so much for listening, guys. We'll talk to you guys again soon. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.